0: Welcome to Relation Fix, the podcast dedicated to creating healthy, happy, and passionate connections with our loved ones. I'm Shayna Dubé, your host. Let's dive in. Welcome back, everyone, to Relation Fix. This is, if you can believe it, our 10th episode. Woohoo!
1: Ooh, wait, I'm not supposed to come yet. <laughs>
0: I feel like this is a little bit of a milestone, like a teeny weeny one, but I'm like super happy about it. And I wanted to do kind of an interesting and special episode today. So I have two amazing guests here to help me do it. As you already heard, Frank is back.
1: Frank, the (laughs) (laughs) semi-producer.
0: Frank, the most amazing guest ever. And the second most amazing guest is my partner. Melissa is here. Hello. 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 Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Inner Sanctum. (laughs) So thank you both so much for being here. I think this is going to be a really fun episode.
1: You're welcome. And I, yeah, yeah, I definitely think so. The weather is beautiful too. So, and this is a, a, I think a beautiful discussion it'll be.
0: Yes. It really feels like spring today. (sighs) Although maybe even like a close to a little bit summery. It's going to be like 80 degrees during the week. Yeah.
1: So if this is your first time listening, don't forget to subscribe and comment on the show and leave us a review. That would be super special. Awesome. Share this episode with any of your friends or loved ones. It will be greatly appreciated.
0: Melissa and Frank are here today because we are going to talk about same-sex relationships. Mm. Their dynamics. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we're into it. We're ready. We want to talk about same-sex relationship dynamics and the unique things that arise in the LGBTQ plus community. It's important to note that this community is very diverse and changing, and today will be really about our experiences as part of this community um, and in relationships, so I'm really excited.
1: So I just want to point out, I'm sitting next to Melissa, so is she my partner today?
0: (laughs) You can borrow her, but I'm taking her back at the end of the show. I just want you to know that. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll
1: oh, so so can... check her out like a book, but that also goes <laughs> in a couple different ways.
0: <laughs> For our listeners that are not as familiar with some of the terms that we're going to be using today, I'm going to explain briefly what each term kind of means. And when we come to some that are commonly used in the LGBTQ plus community, and two of those are both gender identity and sexual orientation or sexual identity. Gender identity is the personal sense of one's own gender. So, for example, common ones are male and female, but you can also identify as a non binary person who does not identify exclusively as a man or a woman, or a transgender person. Whose gender expression does not correspond with the gender that they were assigned at birth. There are several more gender expressions and I definitely encourage you to look into it more and familiarize yourself with some of this terminology. Sexual orientation or identity is basically who you're attracted to. So rather than gender identity which is about the expression of your own gender, sexual identity is who you prefer to be in relationship with. So LGBTQ is in fact an acronym expressing some of those identities. So lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer, which are all sexual identities. So I will put information on both of these topics in the show notes so that our listeners can learn more. Today, we're going to kind of talk about our own personal experiences in the LGBTQ plus community and what happens in relationships within our experiences. So I'm going to start with Frank, and I'm going to ask you some questions. Are you ready?
1: I guess usually it's ladies first, but uh, okay. <laughs> All right, gays Frank. first. <laughs> oh, I already skipped ahead. Sorry,
0: <laughs> you're going. I outed myself the again. <laughs> right? Dang it! <laughs> <Darn>. <laughs> Frank, what would you consider your gender identity?
1: I. <laughs> why did I have to think for a second? I am. I identify as male, and if we're going to include pronouns, then I would say he/him.
0: Okay. How about sexual identity? You kind of give us like a little preview. There. Oh,
1: I know I kind of came out again. <laughs> so I do want to kind of touch on that for the longest time I thought it was bisexual. And to be honest, or to be frank, I...
0: <laughs> Please. <laughs>
1: there's There's been specific women that I've actually developed strong feelings for.
0: Don't look at me like that, Frank. <laughs>
1: it's you. <laughs> <laughs> This is my confession. Confession? (laughs) But I would say, yeah, I mean, as time in high school, especially like in junior high and high school, Mm. that type of stuff can be really confusing. And I like, I don't know, I guess present day, maybe it's not. There's a lot more information out there compared to when the three of us were in school. There was definitely either not a lot or almost like nothing or nothing
0: I want to add it uh, just as a little side note right now that we're actually like three different generations yes. yeah all yeah. sitting together and so definitely that's something we'll talk about is kind of the generational differences that yeah. happen too
1: yeah I I kind of it took me a long time to figure that out so I guess this is going to sound kind of bad but I realized like I do love women as people and then I kind of realized that because I mean, women are smart and they're amazing and beautiful, but I realized that if I ever like, if I ever was intimate with a woman or slept with a woman, I just I don't think the emotional component would continue or be really strong or intense. Whereas and that's with something men, that's
0: important too. It's yeah. yes.
1: With men, it's like oh, this is like the one I'm falling in love with and ruining my credit over. <laughs>
0: So, I know that in the past, um, you've talked a little bit about being demisexual. Yes. D- is that is that something that I you still s- feel is true? What is that?
1: So, demisexual is... That's a good question. So, demisexual... And it's not your sexuality for Demi Lovato. I just want to make that
0: clear. <laughs> I mean...
1: I mean, I guess it can <laughs> it be. It could be. If that's your <laughs> thing. But it's more so needing... In order to be sexual, like needing that emotional bond... And that emotional connection to like Mm -hmm. be attracted. And I definitely need that. But at the same time, it's not talked about enough. So I don't really say that I am that that much, if that makes any sense.
0: I definitely feel for myself. I I feel like I couldn't be intimate Mm -hmm. with someone if I didn't have some sort of emotional connection. So I also kind of feel similar to that. Like some people can, they're okay with it. But I I definitely am that type of person as well.
2: I, I am too. Definitely have to have a connection in, in order to have like a sexual relationship i think with someone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, when did you understand or begin to identify as a gay man?
1: I wanna s- so i think as a kid, and when i say kid i mean like 6 7 years old, i didn't i didn't learn what the word gay was until i was 12. Okay. So, when i was 6 7 years old, i still had crushes on girls and feelings, but then with boys And it was specific boys. I would admire them. That's what I would call it to myself because I didn't know what – I was like, I don't know what that is. I just admire him. I look up to him. But Mm -hmm. in reality, it was like I have a huge crush on him, essentially, or like Mm -hmm. I really, really like I like like (laughs) as they would say back then. And I want to say when I was 14 – Like when I was 12, that's when I first learned the word and I started getting scared and I started doing what other probably gay people did and they went on MySpace and took those am I gay quizzes. (laughs) It's like if you're (laughs) taking that quiz, you're like probably 100% gay.
0: MySpace.
1: Uh, So when I was 12, 13, (laughs) I I was learning about it and like I said, I panicked and got scared and 14, um, I like definitely, that's when I knew and I got really scared because that's when I think people started noticing little things or or they would maybe make gay jokes in school and maybe they didn't know or even think that but that like petrified me i already was
0: what were you scared of
1: being outed or being bullied for not being like the norm essentially in that time period which when i went to high school for me was like 2006 to 2010 and there was like the best way I could put it, there was like caricatures of gay people on TV. That's what it felt like. Like I remember, like the next bus would be oh. on like MTV or whatever, yeah. and they'd have a gay episode, and it was like the most stereotypical,
0: right?
1: Like on what they, yeah, like they really felt like
0: everyone's kind of laughing at it.
1: Yes, yes, it wasn't. Yeah, they weren't actually. It didn't feel like they were actually human.
0: Yeah, in a mm. sense, but that be devastating.
1: But I, I would say to answer that question on a shorter term, I would say like 14 and then I didn't start dating until like 17 and that's when I started discovering more and and then yeah
0: yeah how did your family and friends react when talking about your gender and sexual identities
1: so I have to share a story I hope it's somewhat quick I'll try not to take too much time but
0: take all the time you want
1: I family I was really nervous about and there's a story where unfortunately I didn't really get to tell a lot of people about my own and that's the worst is when Mm -hmm. other people out like for example with my friends I oh god I hope they don't listen to the show because they're gonna be like oh my god like (laughs) that triggered him back then and it probably still kind of does but I had told this one specific friend because she was the only bisexual person I knew Mm. so I thought okay like I'm not gonna tell any of my straight friends because I don't know if they'll get it or like
0: Right. I don't know. I just
1: felt safe. But then that person told all of our friends. So I didn't get to tell anyone in that group. And then with my family, I, I want to say my mom was first and I didn't get to tell her because I bought this little. So I used to love going to Salem. I bought this little wish box. And I put a wish inside that said, like, I wish, like, the boy next door would love me or something really sappy. And I feel like I'm still like that. Oh, God. But (laughs) I I put it in, like, my pillowcase or something. And then long story short, I went to a sleepover, forgot to bring a pillow. My mom grabbed the pillow for me. That fell out with the note. And then she read it. And then when she mentioned it, when I got back home, I just literally turned around. I ran. I ran actually to that um, friend's apartment that outed me. (laughs) Ironically, I ran like all the way. I ran like a couple miles. Like I was just petrified and I was like, I don't know if I'll ever be able to go back home. I didn't even listen to my mom's response, but she was accepting. Fortunately, there's a lot of families that aren't.
0: Yeah, but
1: My family, as wacky as they can be, they were very accepting when it came to that. But then, um, my mom and I think one of my aunts, they kind of started telling other people in the family. So it was like, I think part of me was nervous to tell people, but then also I got robbed so many opportunities of being able Mm -hmm. to come out. It sounds
0: like it was really hard because you basically had no control over. It It was kind of like almost a tidal wave of everybody finding out at the same time. And so, and you already had so much fear. Exactly. Kind of around what, would, what was going to happen, that you just didn't have any control over how that went. That must have well, been really hard. It's
1: a reoccurring theme.
0: <laughs> do you Do you feel like now, looking back, that it's okay that it happened that way? Is there a silver lining that came up for you around the way that it came out?
1: At the end of the day, I've had to learn we can't change what happened.
0: Yes. And we
1: have to do our best with the cards that were dealt. And I think... Yes. I don't know. I think at the end of the day, it did make me stronger. And even though I kind of had like a loss of control there, I was able to control other things related to that eventually on my own. And mm. I think that's why now I am I'm very about sharing, like being somewhat transparent, sharing my story and knowing that like I have control of what I'm
0: sharing. Yeah. You know, what are some of the similarities or differences that you have observed or experienced in same-sex relationships versus heterosexual relationships.
1: So one that I thought of off the bat and I think like I said maybe you guys can also give your input on that cuz I know as like other as a gay man other gay men definitely have had this weird like battle with it. It's ironic because I hear a lot of gay men trying not to be heteronormative yet we still fight over, like, who's the man and who's the woman, which I know technically what we really mean is who's Mm. the masculine and who's the feminine. But yet, yeah, for some reason, we, like, really, like, we really want to put that in a box and really identify Mm. that. And obviously, like, in a heterosexual relationship, like, you usually have a man or woman. I've just been told, like, in the past, I remember people would kind of make jokes. Like if I was dating someone, they'd be like, oh, so like they would say in a meaner way and say like, who's the catcher and who's the pitcher? Mm. But they meant like, who's the woman? And they would ask like, who's the woman? And that's kind of insulting when it's two men.
0: Yeah, definitely. I definitely noticed that when we were talking about our masculine and feminine episode, one of the things we kind of talked about was polarity and the idea that masculine and feminine are attractive to each other. Yeah, And so sometimes I think a little bit of that push pull is the attractiveness level. And so you can have someone who's a little bit more on the feminine side, a little bit more on the masculine side. And obviously a single person can shift back and forth in between both. You don't have to be one or the other, but I do think that there is an attractiveness to that polarity. So that sometimes I I know for myself in my relationship with Melissa, that is something that comes up often for us too mm. is kind of like these gender roles and like who's going to be what and the expectations that come around those gender roles and how we're going to behave, whether it be just day-to-day chores, like I think she should have to take the trash out <laughs> because I I'm a woman identifying and, you know... That's not my job that, right see, but that
1: one I never got but I get yeah. what you're saying but
0: but those are those are things that I think we kind of run into that a little bit too yes and it's challenging we, go ahead
2: we do run into that because I I think when I was younger the crowd I hang out with tended to be exactly what you said masculine women versus feminine women and I found um, as I've gotten older and had many more different experiences I don't really land in one camp or the other. I think I'm in the middle. And I think sometimes that's incredibly frustrating for you to try to figure that out. You've said that it's yeah, it's hard yeah.
0: hard for you to figure that out. Well, and it's hard for me because I've spent the vast majority of my life in one camp. Mm.
1: I guess a question I had for Melissa is has that ever been frustrating for you? Or have you always been like accepted like who you are yeah. in that sense?
2: I, I have been, but um I went a very long time before I got into a relationship with Shana. And so I've had like a a lot of different life experiences spending so much time not in a relationship. And I I, I bring that to this relationship and it can be confusing if you want to look at gender identity roles,
0: masculine, feminine. Yeah. Yeah. It can be really tough. It's definitely a challenge.
1: But I remember too, in either that episode or a past one, that at least the comments that we were reading, there was a lot of gay men who identified as masculine and they wanted another man that's masculine mm-hmm. that's Do you interesting that? yeah, yeah
0: i forgot about that yeah it really is interesting i i it's definitely possible that it's a personal preference too i don't know that everyone falls into that space mm-hmm. and that's that's one of the reasons why i this is very much about our experiences mm-hmm. in this because yeah. other people's experience they're very diverse and and broad-ranging so, I think that's definitely something that I've observed as well, same as mm-hmm. you. Anything else that you have observed or experienced is the same or different?
1: So, I would say a difference. Uh, I'm going to try not to get like emotional, but <laughs> one difference that's always been either a challenge for myself or another person I'm trying to pursue is the judgment of PDA you get as two gay men
0: mm-hmm.
1: compared to when you're straight. It's mm-hmm. like nothing. I mean, they could be just tongue fucking each other and it, no one bats an eye half the time, but then I'm trying to hold my partner's hand and it's like a big mm-hmm. deal. And, or like you get harmed.
0: Yeah. I think we don't think of it as much either. Cause we think, Oh, it's 2023. We're so advanced, but
1: it still happens. It still,
0: still happens, happens a lot. And I, I think that's a really important thing to bring up because These are things that people in this community face a lot.
1: And it just sucks, yeah. It's like, well, I'm safe in this state, but then if we travel and go somewhere else, like I may not be, or I have to follow certain laws or social norms.
0: Yeah, we've thought about that too. Yeah, it's really hard. Hmm. I feel like we talked a little bit about challenges already. So were there any other challenges that you've experienced in relationships like yourself?
1: Yeah. um, Okay. This was actually... Explored in therapy today for me, it was um, it was something I needed to be told about myself. I think everyone as an individual has kind of their own patterns when they're in a relationship. Like they kind of do Absolutely. some of the same things, and then it's like we almost keep having the same experiences until we learn, "Hey, that's maybe not <laughs> yes. the best pattern. Let me stop that." And it's really challenging for me, but. One thing that I had to learn about myself, and it's hard to talk about, is that regardless of the other person, I know what I want, and I like to push that agenda. Instead of just finding the person that feels the way I do about things, I'm like, I'm going to make you. Yeah. I'm gonna I, let me show you better, in my opinion. Like, I'm gonna make you.
0: Oh my God, I've done that. Uh, yeah. Like,
1: what I identify mm. as a better partner, as a better person, when instead I have to let it be and accept who they are.
0: It's really hard to do that.
1: It really is.
0: Especially if you have feelings for a specific person, it's hard to think about letting go of that person and accepting that they aren't gonna be the thing that you want them to be. Mm -hmm. And I definitely went through that when I was separating from my ex-husband and having to kind of accept that he is who he is and me expecting him to be someone different was not right. Like It was not accepting him as who he was and therefore saying he doesn't measure up in some way. And that's really hard for him to live up to instead of understanding that, maybe the way that we see things or the way that we do things is not exactly the same. And I need to find not only what I want inside of myself, but also find a connection with someone who better suits what I really want and need in a relationship. Because sometimes people are just going to show up different. It's really hard. It is
2: really hard. But I can say that getting into a relationship, being accepted for who I am, is much easier than being in a relationship with somebody who wants to uh, put you in a mold or make you what, what they think it is, you know, you need to be. Yeah.
1: If I had to mention another challenge, I would say I notice too a lot of men in the community, at least when it's iron it's interesting, I should say, when I go on first dates and it almost feels like there's a little bit of that trauma dumping mm-hmm. on the first date. Like you learn so much. About someone, but like in that type of way, I'm like, wow! I on the first date, I know someone's mental disorders, yeah. and I know they're all yeah. their exes, and I know their family life, how rough that was growing <laughs> up, like all in just like an hour. But because of noticing that a lot mm-hmm. of quite a good amount of gay men have gone through some sort of trauma, yeah, growing up, there's, I would say, my other challenge is trusting that someone actually has good intentions or that actually likes me for me because my self-worth is so diminished because of my trauma and my upbringing.
0: Yeah, that I mean it's a huge challenge. What are some common misconceptions about your gender or sexual identities?
1: So <laughs> I could think of a couple. Um okay. let's see. Do I so if I start with gender, so I guess it's kind of a I think of a mix of gender and sexual identity the misconceptions and yeah one, one being that we're predators. Mm. Oh my god! Yeah, because there's so much news going on with like um, drag queens and yes. even the trans community and yes, and it's just which I know like is a little different from being gay at least because I just mm. mentioned the trans community, but it's still like I mean gay men have also had that too. They're, I've seen like just the typical stereotypes of like. Oh, if you like go in a bathroom and get an easy hookup, which kind of ties into my other stereotype that we're all whores. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, I, you know, it's interesting because I definitely think that there is a common theme among people in LGBTQ community in you know all different ways that there is this idea of like infectiveness like just being around you like it goes off that idea of being a predator that like just being around you somehow you're going to like infect people with gayness with it not
1: to mention more current news but with Budweiser and the rainbow
0: yeah yes
1: and i had to make a joke that yeah when a straight man drinks it he's just instantly gay <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and i Which mean is not true. we're seeing a lot of videos come up of people being like you know this is uh, this woke community is okay. not good and they're like dumping out the beer and stuff like that and it's just like it just seems unnecessary it's just a can yeah it's not it's really not that big of a deal people got really
1: aggressive over the starbucks cups as well so i mean yeah because it wasn't like merry christmas or something
0: and so so as you know as a gay man as something that you've gone through you know your own fear around that yourself what happens to you when like these type of things come up you know how do you feel about it
1: I feel like as we went a couple steps forward, we just go 50 back. Yeah. And then these battles are even happening within the community Mm -hmm. as well. And it's like, what are we doing? Why are we fighting each other?
0: Yeah. So Frank, I just want to thank you very much for being very vulnerable and transparent, like you always are. (laughs) Once again. (laughs) No, you show up and I, I think that people, including myself, really respond to your ability to be vulnerable and tell your story because it's not always easy. And many people struggle with that. And so I think that you are a shining example of somebody willing to kind of claim themselves. And it's probably one of the most courageous things that we can do as a human. So I I really appreciate that.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank
0: you. Now we're going to shift just a little bit to Melissa.
1: To my partner for the day.
0: Yes. (laughs) Just for now. What would you consider your gender identity? <laughs> my gender identity?
2: I, I think predominantly I, I feel that I'm a woman, but I still do have a piece of me, I think, from my uh, younger days that, that feels
0: masculine. So this wasn't always the case for you. When you were younger, you felt very differently? Very differently.
2: Mm. I didn't identify as, as female
0: at all. Probably until
2: I got into college and I met some really strong women. Um, in college, and it it made me have to re-examine my sexuality. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and so um, I think I remember you telling me a little bit, like, when you were very young, like, Mm. three, four years old, sort of feeling like... I never never felt like a girl um, Mm -hmm.
2: from as far back as I can remember. I wanted to hang out with the boys. I I remember the first thing that happened that made me feel horrible about being a girl was um, we were all outside with our shirts off, running around with our Tonka trucks in the driveway. And my mother called me back in and put a shirt on me and told me I couldn't do that. And that for me, was the, the beginning of kind mm-hmm. of feeling ashamed or feeling like I needed to hide, um, who it was I felt inside, the gender, mm-hmm. the gender that I, I felt inside. And, um, <clears throat> I quickly uh, made an alternative world for myself to function in and, um, I was always drawn to um, like women or girls, or you know, being in, in elementary school and being drawn more to the kids, the the, kids, the girls um, in school. Yeah.
0: And you grow up in a very different time too. Give us a little bit of background on, like, where you grew up and and mm. what that was like for you at that time.
2: Yeah, I, I grew up in rural Maine. Um, it was just a really small town, kind of where everybody knows everybody's business.
0: And this is the late 60s, early 70s, yes?
2: Yes. Um, but when I got into high school, I got into my first relationship, and 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 that was in the early 80s. Um, and I, I let my other friendships go except for with my best friend who um, probably also identified as masculine um, because I didn't want people to know that I had gotten into a relationship with another person, not my best friend, but with another person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of made me feel lonely in a lot of ways that I couldn't share who I am and the, the, the person that I am. Um, and, you know, it was just quite lonely what would you consider your sexual identity? I guess back then I would have called it heterosexual because I I felt very much like I was a, a boy oh, or a man. Mm-hmm.
0: I have said multiple times, and I, I think that this probably is true, is that if Melissa had kind of grown up um, in this era, it's possible you would have been a transgender male. Yes. You know, female to male. I had, yeah. I had
1: thoughts about being a transgender mm-hmm. woman. Yeah, Really? A t- yeah, a couple times, but the joke with my friends back then that are a couple are still my friends today was that my name <laughs> i had this fascination with the name marie <laughs> so that would have been my name and
2: mm-hmm.
1: so they like we'd make jokes that like if i ever disappeared or something and this girl named marie shows up it's probably me <laughs>
0: <laughs> so back then you would have considered yourself as a heterosexual person because you really saw yourself more as a boy um, yes and so as you moved forward, you talked a little bit about college mm-hmm. and how when you got into college, you sort of met this group of strong, would you say, lesbian community? Yeah, um, ma-
2: masculine lesbians. Mm. I, I think that was the first time I realized I wasn't alone. Uh, you know, I'm not in this small town. What I what I didn't realize was the first college that accepted me was um, was like a, a phys ed kind of College, so there were a lot of women there that were studying to be phys ed teachers, or they were athletes, and it ended up that was kind of the cool crowd in college were the lesbians. Uh, so I so landed, very different. I landed right where I needed to be.
1: Kind of ask a random question because I'm I'm always like not sure, mm-hmm. or I don't know if it depends on the person, but is the term butch an offensive term or?
2: For me, for me, it was always a comical term. Okay, you know, um, I don't know, just something that we would laugh and joke about. Um, Okay, um, I don't know how I would feel about it with somebody who is heterosexual saying that in a derogatory, mean. I think that would be offensive. I can get that
0: in the crowd. I was running with it was something funny just to say. So if you feel like it could be like tone or intention behind the word that would matter which would make sense when you look at the word queer you know i was i was raised in a generation where that was
2: awful just awful that was one of the few words that my my mother would say i would slap your face stupid retarded queer Mm -hmm. those are the things you are not allowed to call your siblings so for me um being called queer i find that offensive from my, my upbringing. But as you talked about the um, LBT. Um, you can finish it. <laughs> this this <laughs> is my generation right there. It's oh, LGBT. uh, L- L- LGBTQ. LGBTQ yeah. When you get to the Q part. Uh, queer. Or when you talk about communities like in Northampton. They call themselves the queer community. For me I find that offensive.
1: See Just to saying. me the, the F word was kind of like the N word. Uh, Obviously uh, not exactly the same. Mm-hmm. But it was that type of thing where. If someone in the community. Said it to me. It, and they were my friend, it wasn't like the biggest issue, but like someone straight saying mm-hmm. it to me and like you, right. like what you guys mentioned with the tone right. and everything, well, I'm going to beat your ass.
2: I, I work with a woman that's like 15 years older than me, who's, who's also gay, and I had used the word lesbian and she pulled me aside and said she thought the word lesbian was derogative and didn't want to be called a lesbian. And so I, it's interesting when you look at generations, lesbian isn't okay. I'm, I'm queer isn't okay. And I don't know for either of your generations, do you, do you have words that you don't like to, to describe you in the, out in the community?
0: I had a very different you know, exp- mm-hmm. experience than I think that you guys did. I, I mean, I know that when I first told my mother that I was um, interested in a woman and I was like 35 years old, and I had had attractions before, but we hadn't really talked about it. And I, it didn't really, really mm-hmm. even register as anything abnormal. Right. In any anyway, but I, I told my mother that her first response is, "You think you would know before now if you were gay?" And I'm mm-hmm. like, "Am I gay? Is that, <laughs> yeah?" And yeah. I was like, "I thought it was just Shana. <laughs> right?" <laughs> that kind of was like the first, like I'm like, yeah, I don't know that that's, huh. It was like the first time I had even registered to think about it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because my life prior to that was very heteronormative. I think mm-hmm. in a lot of ways.
2: Do you have any words that feel derogatory when they said to you, Frank?
1: Most, I mean, or, like, like is it the F one was used a lot. I think more <laughs> so. Just I don't know about derogatory, but like I said before, about how people in the LGBTQ plus community are like seen as predators or whatever. Like, that's, I think, what's mm-hmm. really offensive.
0: Yeah. Okay. How did your family and friends react when they found out about, you know, your gender expression or your sexual identity?
2: My sister um, walked in the room when I was kissing my girlfriend. It wasn't even, like, a big kiss. It was just, like, a peck. But nonetheless, she walked into my room and saw that. And um, she, she was... Uh, God, we used to fight a lot like siblings do. And uh, anyway, she just kind of held it over my head. Um, that sucks. And she didn't even live with us anymore. Come on. And was just saying to my mother, you know, I need to tell you something about Melissa, but it's disgusting and I can't tell you. And she just sort of did that in front of my mother. And I was on the phone with my best friend who also identified as, as masculine. And I just took a deep breath, put my hand on the receiver, and said, Mom, I'm queer and she she said hang up the phone we need to talk
1: (laughs) do you still talk to your sister
2: she's apologized to me okay i was gonna say we were were a lot younger than that she's really we'll call
1: you one of those words
2: (laughs) (laughs) my mother told me i had to break up with my girlfriend or she was gonna tell her mother we broke up for two hours
1: there's like a lot of threatening (laughs) going
0: so we broke up for two hours so for you uh, you know around that time what was it like being someone who identified as, you know, more masculine or potentially what would have been a transgender male. And as somebody who was interested in women Mm -hmm. and other people are looking at you like you're a woman interested in women. Mm -hmm. What, what was that like for you to manage having a girlfriend, having, you know, that kind of relationship? I still didn't feel like a girl
2: after being outed still. And I just thought it was really unfortunate that I couldn't I couldn't, or was told I couldn't be with who I wanted to be with. And just, I don't know, I felt horrendously guilty and kind of mad at the universe for making making me, quote unquote, the way I am and trying not to be who I am, who I was born. I was born in the wrong body, I, I had really thought. And after that, I just thought I was going to live a, a doomed life of you know not being accepted for who I am. Uh, and just having to take a deep breath and understand that I probably wasn't going to be accepted for who, who I am and that was just going to have to be okay. It was hard, really hard.
0: Yeah.
1: I can relate to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I had really, I, I I remember it was the first time I really had dark thoughts when I was, when people were starting to bully me for that or like Mm -hmm. starting to like, like they were using that they didn't necessarily know, or maybe they did, but Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really scary.
0: its I think it's definitely one of the hardest things is it's very isolating yeah. and pushes you so much away from your community. And, you know, one of the things that we've said a lot on our podcast is how love and connection is the very base of who we are as human beings. Mm -hmm. And so if you believe that there's something about you that will disconnect you, or you get kicked out of the group, or you're not going to be part of the community, Mm -hmm. it becomes very deeply shameful. And it's really hard to keep moving forward, knowing that you have this thing, and you're trying to keep it a secret so that people don't know. And when you finally can't keep it a secret anymore, and you talk about it, then the consequences often are exclusion and um you know disconnection from the community at large
1: but when you're really young and you don't know that yet we've just lost so many lives because of yeah. just yeah not mm-hmm. not learning that at an earlier age or like still yes. trying to figure that out
0: definitely what have been some of the challenges in your relationships in the past or currently i'm going to not be <laughs> judging <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, you have to answer it too. It's so. Okay,
0: so I have to answer it too. So be nice. Just, I, I think, I think lesbian relationships tend
2: to be emotionally intense. Yes, <laughs> and with you, with you, it's a plus. That was the, very nice. Well, you're just you're you're a very emotional person, you know, which which means like you can love big, mm. and when you get angry, you can get angry big.
0: <laughs> I mean she's not wrong. I'm just right. gonna say.
1: I can relate
2: Yeah. I, I think um I've been with people that have been predominantly in, in um heterosexual relationships and they just have all talked about how the communication is different and how there tends to be like more talk. Um and when when some more talk is,
0: in a lesbian relationship.
2: Yes. Mm. Yes. And when there's problems, you can talk about problems and you can talk about solutions. And that, that's the information I've been given from <laughs> the relationships I have been in is that hmm. they'll say stuff like, oh, my God, I can't believe we're talking about it and we're coming to solutions and, and that type mm-hmm. of thing.
0: Any other challenges that you've faced, you know, in your relationships In the past, uh, Frank talked a little bit about patterns and, you know, looking at some of the patterns that he carried through relationships. Have Mm -hmm. you ever noticed any patterns for yourself that you've carried through relationships that have presented challenges? I think I've, I've found in some, some relationships, um,
2: this isn't even true. It's only true with my relationship with you (laughs) is I'm, I'm not handy. Do you know what I mean? I'm not handy. Um, actually I've been in a couple relationships where I've had to remind people of things and, and it's been unfortunate for me. Um, I've been in a relationship with somebody. It was first um, lesbian relationship was with me and she wanted to marry me. She was Catholic. And I had said, you know, you'll be probably excommunicated for that. And she recanted on the proposal. <laughs> hmm. That was one thing. And the second I think is um, being in relationship with you and saying, I am, I am not as handy I'm, I'm not handy. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to remodel a kitchen. I'm not going to, you know, be able to do all of that stuff. And I, I I know for you, it looked like you had an aha, like, come on, like, you know, well, and you did say, I hadn't given that much thought. And I, you know, and you've talked, you've talked a little bit on this episode about that, I think.
1: Oh my God. I totally get that. I've used a screwdriver on a nail (laughs) (laughs) once.
0: Right. Well, and I'm not very handy either, so...
1: <laughs> handy maybe, but not handy. Right?
0: That's right. what I'm saying. Right. That all day long. <laughs> but, yeah, not so handy. <laughs> one of the things that I thought of, you know, where, where you're concerned with this question about challenges is, mm-hmm. it's interesting to think, because when we were talking about gender roles, you know, I sort of thought about one of your past relationships that you had a very long relationship with. Um, there was this idea of... Uh, gender roles around that of like what are my expectations like somebody else is going to take care of me mm-hmm. because in your family growing up your father worked but your mom like just took very good care of him and always has you know and that that's just like the type of person that she is and that mm-hmm. he is and yes. so you kind of fell into that gender role a oh, little bit <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, yes
2: yes feeling feeling like I should be taken care of my mother is, she's amazing. She just she can second guess what my dad needs, and just be there. And I I did I did have that expectation that was going to follow me, and I I did go on a vacation. With my um, then girlfriend, and when we got there, she had a suitcase full of clothes, and, and I had none. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "What do you What do you mean? What do you mean you didn't pack that for me? You know?"
0: And, and <laughs> so you're here ha- on vacation, you have no clothes <laughs> because you're like, "How did my girlfriend didn't pack me a bag?" Oh, I and, don't
2: understand. And that's when I realized how good my mother really
0: was, you know, and yeah. at, at um at taking taking care of my dad. Melissa, can you think of any common misconceptions about your gender or sexual identities? I think um,
2: people people today are so much more accepting of um, of you know my my sexual preferences, um, and and I didn't I didn't have that experience when I was younger. You were talking about seeing different episodes of of um, uh, television shows where you know it was it was acceptable to be. And I didn't have that upbringing at all. I remember when Ellen came out of the closet. Mm. That was huge. Oh my God, that was so huge. And I really think that her doing that and other people um, having like roles on television shows being, you know, gay, lesbian, uh, bisexual, has gone a long way to making the younger generation so much more acceptable. Um, And I I know, for example, Shana and I have been in stores and she's wanted to hold my hand. You talked about holding hands. yeah. And and, and inside, I'm like, you can't do that in a store. You just can't. You can't do that. And she said to me several times, she's loosen up. You know, it's not like that anymore. And um, sometimes, you know, I have a hard time with that. Um, still, even though, you know, she'll say that, you know, you can do that these days, you know, um, I have a hard time with like my own programming and relaxing into it and, and letting that happen.
1: Even though we had like certain gay characters on TV during my time, none mm-hmm. of them were really serious depictions. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, like I know, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Heartstopper, which is mm-hmm. the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah on my thing, but they made it a show on Netflix. And if I had that growing up at their ages, that would have helped tremendously on mm-hmm. not feeling so alone and isolated.
0: I also kind of remember it. Cause it wasn't even that long ago, really. Um, and we had already met at that point when the gay marriage bill
2: mm. was
0: signed and, and ha- how you were just like, I can't even believe that this is like a real thing. Mm-hmm. And it felt, Sort of transformational in a way, just to have the ability to marry a woman.
2: Yeah, y- yes. Um, in the state of Maine, they they had put in the state constitution that, um, you know, that gay people have the same rights as as everyone else. And then there was a referendum after that, and um, in the referendum, uh, the people uh, wanted it taken out of the constitution than it was. And I had moved away to Massachusetts after that. And I don't know how many years later, the, the people in the state of Maine wanted to vote, um, gay people have rights again and put it in the constitution uh, and and that did happen. And I just happened to be home visiting my mother and I went to church with her um, and the priest, and I, I'm not saying all priests were probably doing this, but the priest that, at, at that particular service sermon was saying that this is a catholic church catholic church Mm was was saying that we need to pray for people that um that are attracted to same sex Mm. and i was really kind of offended by that uh oh yeah understandably so and i you know i couldn't receive communion but you you can you can get a blessing um as you walk down the aisle everyone gets communion and so i walked down to get my blessing and this may be kind of mouthy but i was really angry about it and when i got my blessing i, I said to the priest um god will forgive you of your judgments oh. And <laughs> kept going whoa Get oh, him. jesus i think jesus will forgive you your judgments wow yeah and, wow and, hey and you know that was the last time i went to church but <laughs> but you know that was just his i i, I think that was just his opinion on it, you yeah. know, and, and yeah. taking it, taking it to the nth degree. Mm.
0: I, I, there are certainly many more churches and religions that are much more accepting mm-hmm. of um, I, LGBTQ and, mm-hmm. and well people I think, in that community. I think a couple months ago, I
2: had read an article saying that the Pope, you know, was saying that um, gay, lesbian people, you know, have a, have a right to go to church and have yes. a right to be part of our community. Um, I love it, that. Right? Yeah. He's a pretty good Pope. Yeah. So yeah.
0: very loving, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. Hmm. Thank you very much. Yes. Yes. Very candid talk. And we can definitely kind of see some of the differences just generationally that you mm-hmm. run into. And I know mm-hmm. in past conversations with Melissa, like you couldn't be out at your job, mm. you know, you had, you could be fired. And, you know, it just kind of kicked out of the whole community. So it definitely was a very different world. So you can understand how being able to be out and proud would, would be something that you would, you know, shy away from. It wouldn't, it wouldn't really be in your nature because of the way that you grew up.
2: Yes. Yes. And also I felt like um, the the community that I lived in before I came down here, I felt like I was the token lesbian, Um, you know, which, which you you really don't want to be, but I I guess I didn't realize that that's what I was until my uh, girlfriend of 10 years um, was in the hospital having a procedure done. And I was, I was in the room and I had a friend who was in shift report? And in shift report, they knew my first and last name. They're like Melissa Smalls in there with her, and we didn't ask the nature of their relationship. And I think it was at that <laughs> point in time I realized that I, I was probably the token lesbian of of, <laughs>
0: of the town.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: and I don't think I really appreciated that until I got a little bit older. <laughs> Well, it's very much the idea of like plausible deniability. Pla- like yes.
2: You and I have talked about that.
0: Yes. The plausible deniability. Yes. Yes. If you haven't seen anything, nothing happened. Yes. Exactly. And that's the way to do it. Did it, you see something? No. Then it didn't then it didn't happen. Yes. Even it, though it did. Yes. But but in order to actually maintain safety. Yeah. Really. And to, you know, keep your job and make sure that you're safe and mm-hmm. able to live, it really in, yes. in some cases, could have been a matter of life or death yes. at times.
1: So, mm-hmm. Shayna needs to go on the hot seat. Oh
0: my god, it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> So, Shana... I'm ready. I feel like I'm prepped. I'm ready to go. Alright, let's do this. Shanae,
1: nay, Shana.
0: Oh boy. <laughs> Shashay.
1: What would you consider your gender identity?
0: I definitely identify as a woman. Um, I've never... Felt any different. I have moved into my masculine energy <laughs> many times, <laughs> but I have to say I feel generally uncomfortable in there. My pronouns, if we were going to go in that direction, would be she, her, and um yeah, I de- definitely feel very female.
1: Or at least I think we talked a little bit about it. You're usually more comfortable in that energy,
0: very much so than
1: masculine. Yeah,
0: or I male. You know, it's interesting because. In a work setting, I definitely feel like I could be much more masculine because I definitely step into more of a directive, action-oriented leader, take control kind of way. (laughs) Which, yes, you've experienced this yourself. So, but in in relationship, I really, I I definitely feel better feminine. I feel more myself. I feel more comfortable in a in a female, feminine role.
1: So. What would you consider your sexual identity?
0: You know, that's a really interesting question because I think that I considered myself bisexual, I think, for a long time. I never considered myself anything for a long time. And then what when you, I started
1: What do you mean you never considered yourself anything? Yeah, I
0: never thought about it. Like, like I just, was, just I was with a other? man and I just was like, I was heterosexual. You oh, okay. know, just I never really thought about it all that much until I started having feelings for Melissa and really started to think about it. And what I actually recognized was that there were multiple times in my life and other spheres where I had like significant crushes on women, but it never registered as anything weird or and it just was how I felt. Mm. And like, I had a really big crush on a, a girl in college and I just was like, obsessed with her. I thought she was amazing. And when I started looking into and exploring my feelings around Melissa, I started kind of thinking about those other things. I'm like, oh yeah, I never really thought about that. Okay. But as I've sort of explored this a little bit more, I know that there are um, some trans people that I've been attracted to. So I guess, I guess I would probably consider myself maybe more pansexual, which is I'm kind of attracted to almost everyone i guess i definitely am attracted to people who have a more masculine look i would say or masculine energy because i i tend to present more feminine but it could be anyone
1: when did you understand or begin to identify that way i think you were kind of starting to touch a little bit on
0: yeah that. i really like it wasn't until i was like 35 wow when i when i really thought about it cuz it wasn't a conscious thought It just was always sort of something that was there, but I I never had any really conscious thoughts about it. It was just part of who I was.
1: I can kind of understand when I sort of was talking about my childhood where there's like the feeling before the answer.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it was, and I don't feel like I've ever been like particularly judgmental of anyone Any sexuality or any gender expression. I didn't have like any emotions around that. And it wasn't anything in our family or in my growing up time. I was an only child. So there wasn't any like negative reinforcement from anyone in my family. It was not a topic that we even really addressed or talked about. So I feel like when I finally got together with Melissa, it was kind of the first time I had been like, oh my, I'm, I'm in a, like a different community and I didn't know anything about it. So she, she's like, I don't, I'm ignorant on this. Cause she's from a different <laughs> generation, but I'm going like, I don't know. That's what My mom's like, you think, you know, by now, if you were gay and I'm like, what? I, okay. Not, Am I? Yeah, Is true. that what's happening here? Like, I don't, I didn't know. Cause for me, it just, it felt like really natural. Yeah. To just be like, I, I'm not attracted to Melissa. Cause she's a woman. I'm attracted to Melissa. Cause she's Melissa but not because Mm. she has a specific, you know, gender identity. It's because her person is attractive to me.
1: I get that. Yeah.
0: And, and so that was, you know, that was very much it. Like we had just amazing conversations. We could talk about Mm. anything and we did like all sorts of things. So like intellectually stimulating, just so, so really interesting. And it, that, really drove me a lot. And so I just, it wasn't anything I really thought about. I don't think until I was much older and even now I just sort of feel like myself. So yeah. even being asked that question, it's like, okay, well I'll give myself a label, but I, I don't not really that into the label to be honest. Cause I just feel like I just love people.
1: Yeah. You don't Yeah, need yeah. the label. Yeah.
0: I really don't. And it's just not something I really ever thought that much about.
1: So you were sort of touching a little bit on family Mm. So how did your family and friends react when you were talking about gender and sexual identities?
0: So what's interesting is um, what my best friend at the time, she was, I think, I think what we would consider bisexual. Um, I've never actually asked her what her, she Mm. considers her sexual orientation, but she had been with men, men in relationships and she was married to a woman and now she's married to a man. So I had had that experience with her a little bit. And so she was very accepting and she, we were very close. We were living together at the time. And my mom had this really difficult thing with it for her. It was very much like, I don't understand how you can be bisexual. And I'm like, well, what don't you understand about it? She goes, I understand being gay. I understand being heterosexual but I understand how you can be both because she was very heterosexual. She just didn't have any feelings towards women ever. And so it wasn't something that she had experienced. And, and I think that she just sort of thought I had trouble like making up my mind about things. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad was interesting because he wasn't judgy at all around that. I find that what, when I, what I really ran into from family and friends was more about them being upset about me leaving my marriage. Yeah. I think than me being with a woman, like that was like a pretty fairly seamless transition. I feel like I don't, I mean, I think they pretty readily accepted Melissa. Yes. They she kind of moved, moved into that. <laughs> yeah. There was no huh. real ruffles. It was more about how they were, were feeling about, you know, my, Other my husband at the time and yeah. our, separation and and what that sort of looked like but thankfully my my ex-husband is a really good guy and we get along very well and have formed a pretty good little community so it's worked out so that was it was better than expected (laughs) certainly yes Yes. yeah well that's great Mm -hmm.
1: what are some of the similarities or differences that you've observed or experienced in same-sex relationships versus heterosexual relationships
0: so for me, that you know, that's obviously very apparent because I've spent a lot of time in a heterosexual yes. relationship and now I'm in a same same sex relationship. Yeah. And I sort of I I don't wanna I'm not trying to pigeonhole you as a woman, Melissa. We touched on the gender roles. That's a huge thing for me because I spent so much of my life with like heteronormative yeah. behavior roles modeled for me and also being in mm you know, a heterosexual relationship for 18 years of my life through most of my adolescence and twenties and, and early thirties. So I, the idea of having to sort of step into that space or, or not having Melissa be all of those other things to kind of fill in. It was sort of like, what do you mm-hmm. mean? What? No, no, don't you, you should know that this stuff over here is, this is my piece over here, this is what the woman does. And you have to do these things. And actually in therapy, my therapist was like, Shayna, I'm going to encourage you to write down what you expect out of gender roles and have this discussion with Melissa, because maybe this isn't going to fall under that. And I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) No, no, like, no. So I I think I had a really hard time. with it. I still do sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I, but it's gotten easier for me to understand.
2: I was thinking about um, when, when we got engaged, um, when I wanted a ring and. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you didn't yeah. think, you didn't think I should want to and ring. I'm because I'm like, I, what do you ahead. mean you're going to get a
0: ring? <laughs> I get the ring because I'm the woman, and then I get uh, a wedding band. <laughs> and she's like, "But I want ha- I want to wear something." And I'm like, "Oh, so now I have to get you a ring. You asked me to marry. I get, I get the I think,
1: ring." I think a lot of gay men they do a <laughs> wedding band for each other.
0: It wasn't something I ever thought about, and I'm just like, "What do you mean?" She's like, "I want to have a ring too." So she bought one for herself, and I'm like, "You can't do that. That's not." <laughs> Wait, then it's not anything. So I'm like, now I have to buy you a ring. <laughs> you have to buy me a ring. And I was like, dang it! This
1: like, is getting expensive.
0: I know you're not kidding. I'm like, does everything have to you, be equal? You're you both kind of a rock. Yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, that was a that was an interesting conversation that I wasn't expecting. Yes. Another thing that I that I do find. Uh, a lot in this relationship versus the last is and Melissa kind of touched upon about the communication level but I I find that the emotionality is a lot higher with two women yeah and we talk like a lot and in my relationship with Rich it was very much like I talked a lot and he was like oh my god is this done yet (laughs) and (laughs) and I felt like our communication level was really shut down in a lot of ways because i didn't know anything about how men and women process or or anything like that but i think i learned very quickly that not everything needs to be talked about mm-hmm. which is a new thought for me yeah same <laughs> And a new pattern for me because I was like, what do you mean? We're not going to talk about this. I don't understand. And I just felt like I was kind of always like running after him going, can you talk to me? And Melissa's like, L- we're going to talk about this. And I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> go again. Oh, do we have to talk about this again? And and so I've learned how to to step into the internal space to process a little bit more, whereas before I I did not do that. I didn't do it at all.
1: This is kind of a little bit of a left field question, but Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about, because you have a child. I do. So obviously you've had experiences with her and you being with a man and you have experiences Mm -hmm. with her and being with Melissa. Have you noticed any sort of, like, I'm trying to think how to word this. Have you noticed any like prominent differences on whether it was from like, other people are just noticing like within yourself, like
0: it's really interesting because Melissa spent a lot of time with her, obviously, when she was younger and she would watch her while I was working and things like that. She would help out. And and <laughs> and my daughter always called her a girl boy. No, she a boy she, girl.
2: No, she, she um, I called myself a girl and she said, you're a boy. I'm like, no, I'm a girl. And she's like, no, your boy, M- mommy, Momo keeps calling himself a girl. <laughs> and then, yeah. Can I say it? Yeah. Go ahead. She just said, Momo has a hoo-ha. <laughs> and and Ellen, she looked at me and went, Oh, and then after that, I became a boy girl. Okay. <laughs> oh my God.
0: So there has been a little bit of that. And I think that, you know, Rich has been really gracious about it and, and he has never sort of badmouthed her or talked negatively about me being in a same-sex relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, that just, we haven't pulled her into that. So I think she's sort of just kind of seamlessly mm-hmm. moved into that space. As she gets older, she might have a little bit more questions about things. But it doesn't seem to have, like, negatively impacted her in any way. I know that that's been something that Melissa is, has been really worried about mm, is like definitely. what happens when she tells people she has yeah, you know two mommies and a daddy and like what yeah. does that look like and in in
2: whether or not it's like a generational thing like I, I mean when i was in school that would not be
0: a favorable thing and yes just, you know yeah. it just didn't happen and, and so you know in, but- in normal fashion for me i'm just like it's gonna be fine <laughs> yes and don't worry about it like it's and, who cares? And, it's a and, different generation, Melissa. It's gonna be fine. She's only eight now. Well, like, some some fine. of
1: those kids don't have the emotional intelligence, though.
2: No, yeah. and her one of her first friends that she made in school had two moms. So.
1: Oh, okay. What are some common misconceptions about your gender or sexual identities?
0: It's interesting because when I think about misconceptions around being a woman, it's not necessarily so much. Within the context of a same-sex relationship, but more of the idea of like what women are and what they're supposed to be in the world and the idea of being like weaker, too emotional, too much. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've faced in a lot of different ways, Um, not so much in relationship, but just as as a gender, you know, what we're sort of looked at as the, you know, women are the weaker sex or fragile in some way. And, you know, I've talked about the patriarchy a lot. And, and so those are definitely things, especially at this stage in my life that I rail against a little bit and have a, have a really hard time with, because I think women are incredibly strong around sexual identities. The idea of being like bisexual or pansexual, I think one of the biggest misconceptions that I see is like, people think you're just confused.
1: Oh yeah. Or it's not real.
0: Yeah. Or you just, you know, you're like trying to be part of the in crowd like there's this this idea that like everyone is turning gay or bisexual and like it's just this this huge misconception that you don't know what you really want you're totally confused and it's just you trying to like be mm. part of this community and be woke and inclusive and all this stuff and i i don't feel that way at all I feel like that manifests
2: when you look at Florida, for example, right now, like you can't say gay in school. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's why they don't want you to say gay in school. I I think what you just addressed
0: speaks to that. Yes. I mean, the gay community makes up 6% of the population, which, you know, 6% of 350 million is a lot of people. But it's still 94% are heteronormative people. So it's not that huge of a population it's not like it's spreading everywhere <laughs> like it's no. some sort of you know virus it, it's just it's not like that I just think it feels like there's more people out there now because people are speaking up about it I think that we've always been there yeah mm-hmm. it just wasn't always safe. To express that, or to talk about it, or to say that, and you know, Melissa faced that, and and Frank, even you've talked about what that's been like for you and experience, and and you're two generations younger, and so you know, this this is something that we still kind of face every day, and I'm very grateful that I have a family and a community around me that that has really accepted the choices that I've made pretty seamlessly around you know, gender identity and stuff like that. Like it really was never a thing. My uncle, who's probably one of the most conservative people in my family was like, Oh, our family would do anything. So I I feel very fortunate to have that space of just not, not being around too many judgmental things. So in a lot of ways, my experience has been very different than the ones that you guys have faced. And I also think that you guys knew a lot earlier that you didn't fall within. That normal expectations that everyone has of, you know, a little kid, and especially like with Melissa, you feeling like I I'm not a girl. I'm like I'm hundred I'm hundred percent a boy. This is just it's just who I am. Before you well, realize that was wrong, or
1: we're also quote unquote
0: wrong. Yeah.
1: We're also all white, and mm-hmm. I know I tend to be attracted to a lot of Hispanic men, mm-hmm. but I always learn how in a lot of those situations it's very difficult when coming out and they're not accepted and yeah. or their families are very religious.
0: I do think that in both the latinx community and in the black community especially for men. Yeah. Uh, I think that 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 tends to be a very difficult thing because there's this this idea of being very masculine and that to be gay means you're not masculine. Yeah. Um even though we know that there are gay men that are very masculine and, and it's, you don't fit necessarily within one box or another box, but it's this, uh, you know, this mental construct of what a gay person is and how they represent, which is why I wanted to do this episode to begin with, Mm -hmm. because I wanted to show, you know, three, I think very different experiences, but also similar in some ways. Thank you both very much for being on this episode. I thought it was really interesting Mm -hmm. listening to kind of all of our experiences. And thank you, Frank, for being my interviewer. I appreciate you stepping in in that capacity. And thank you, Melissa, for sharing. It's definitely, especially with some of the things that you faced in your life, it might not always be easy to kind of talk about the Mm -hmm. ins and outs of your experience in the LGBTQ community. Yes. And for me, also a very different experience. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me.
1: Yes. Thank you for having you're
0: welcome. us. Having us. <laughs> thank my, you're welcome.
1: My borrowed partner.
0: <laughs> Just as a reminder, we are here every Monday at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or lots of other places. Until then, be well, and we will see you soon.
1: If you want to share your experience, write a comment or contact us on Instagram at relationfixpod or email us at relationfixpodcast at gmail.com and tell us about it. All this information will be available in the show notes as well. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, and share it with your loved ones.